I'm Sarah Gleason, and this is Unmuted by Mosaic. It's Friday, October 7th, 2022, and we're talking about disability in the media with guests Gianna Piva and Grace Cook. Welcome to season four of Unmuted. Wow, this is so exciting that we're in our fourth season. Unmuted was created originally to connect students virtually when we couldn't be together in person during the COVID-19 lockdowns. As we continue the show, our goal is to amplify marginalized voices on campus. The team here at Unmuted hopes that this podcast can be a place of affirmation for marginalized voices on campus, as well as a place of learning for those who do not identify with certain stories, cultures, identities, or backgrounds. In this episode, I got to sit down with Gianna Piva, who is the president of Mosaic Club Delta Alpha Pi. This club spreads awareness on disability, chronic illnesses, and mental health, as well as Grace Cook, who is a junior media communication student and has plans of writing novels that include accurate disabled characters in hopes of influencing the culture of Hollywood and the perceptions of disabled folks. In this episode, we dive into how disabled people are treated in the media and what it may look like to change that trend. Let's dive in. I'm Grace, Grace Cook. I'm a media comms major and I'm a transfer junior. I'm Gianna Piva. I am a senior environmental studies major. So what are some common misconceptions about disability in the media that y'all have noticed? Um, (laughs) Where to start? (laughs) (laughs) I think um, it boils down to just sort of a very generic representation of disability. If you have like someone who's autistic it's a very generalized version of autism and it's not really like people forget that there's a whole spectrum when it comes to disability and one person's disability is not like another person's disability and I think today's media kind of fails to acknowledge that point and so to me it just comes across as sort of um, not lazy but it could be sort of said as that way because Mm -hmm. it's like they don't bother to do enough research Mm -hmm. on a character with a certain disability. They just kind of like box it all in and be like, okay, well, this person has this, so we'll just make them act like this. It's it's very frustrating to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that something that's very interesting is about 95% of disabled characters in the media are played by able-bodied people. Mm. And I feel like that's the biggest issue is one there's a lack of proper representation these characters are being played by able-bodied people and then once they finish the film the show whatever they all of a sudden are experts and they're the ones being interviewed about the disease about the disability um like for example um six feet apart that is a movie about cystic fibrosis And now those two characters, Cole Sprouse and I forget the girl's name, um, they're being interviewed about cystic fibrosis. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You did research, sure, but that gives you no right to speak on that experience. And so I feel like people fail to um, invest in casting and accommodating, like, on set. And so the easier option would be to cast an able-bodied person so they don't have to go through all those extra quote-unquote loopholes to make the set comfortable for these people. 
Ruderman white paper on authentic representation in TV in 2018, which examines representation in the media by reviewing 284 shows from 37 networks and four streaming platforms. Among network television, 22% of all characters with disabilities were portrayed authentically by an actor with the same disability. This percentage included 45 authentically represented characters with disabilities across 33 shows. Among streaming services, 20% of characters were authentically portrayed by actors with disabilities. This percentage included 11 authentically represented characters with disabilities. Together, the final count of authentically represented characters for 2018 was 56, with an average of 21.6 of characters being portrayed authentically across networks and streaming services. Data for the top 10 network TV shows for 2018 compared to top 10 shows in 2016 indicates progress in authentic casting in the past two years. In 2018, 12% of characters with disabilities were authentically cast, marking an increase from the 5% representation rate found in 2016. Do y'all have any specific movies they could be documentaries or like nonfiction or fiction that maybe represent disability well i think they're honestly like i can't think of a lot which mm. is unfortunate because i feel like there's so many movies about disability but they all get canceled out for mm. either not being played by an able-bodied person or using them um, as inspiration porn. But I feel like um, the new thriller that came out, I want to say in the last, like, two, three years, it's called Run. Um, the main girl next to Sarah Paulson, I think her name is Kira, um, she's a wheelchair user, and her character was also a wheelchair user. Um, and what I liked about that was, like, they actually used her real-life experience to, like, portray the character correctly. Um, but I feel like something that happens is, like, when a character is disabled, the writers feel like they owe the audience a full explanation as to, like, what they have, where they got it from, what their life is like. And they can never just exist, and their disability can never be just another character trait. Um, just like their gender, their race, their sexuality. Like, for some reason, disability always, disabled people always get stripped of their privacy, and the characters are written to owe everyone an explanation when they can't just simply exist in the plot. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree, like, with that 100%, because I've noticed, like, as a writer, you tend to notice how certain things are written because you've been trained to kind of analyze story. And so it's like that character, in order for them to be disabled, they've had to go, they've always had to like go through some experience that has caused them to have such a disability. But I think people also forget that you can be born with your disability True. as well. Mm -hmm. And it's not just some external force that's been inflicted on you, like that causes you to become that way. But also, I feel like like there does like as Gianna said there doesn't always have to be an explanation as to why a character is disabled or how they got that that way they could they they could just simply exist in a story and they just happen to be disabled right. and it's not the center of their entire personality mm -hmm. that's another thing like 
sometimes with disabled characters, their disability, like, makes up the core of, mm. like, their being and their personality. And it's very frustrating to watch because it's, like, you have other things that you like. You have, like, you know, you have hobbies. You have... Mm -hmm a job or something and it's just it's very frustrating to kind of see like people with disabilities written in a way where it's like their only personality trait yeah. is their disability and nothing else. A term that I kind of want to bring awareness to um, is something called inspiration porn um, which is extremely common <laughs> in the media and films and is usually probably always written by able-bodied people um, and basically what inspiration porn is is it takes a disabled person and paints their life out to be such a heroic journey and they overcame the odds however that looks like and if this disabled person can go to college or if this disabled person can speak in front of a crowd then like what are you waiting for like you can do it too and it's meant to inspire um able-bodied people that like if this person if this poor, hopeless, disabled person can do this, then so can you. And it tokenizes this character, which I feel like is so harmful for a number of reasons. Yeah, I mean, adding adding to that, that's a very common thread I've seen in movies. So what Hollywood will usually do is, if they do have a disabled character, they're either there for comic relief or to yes. crack the occasional joke, or it, it's a movie about them, and it's it's like... It's written in a very inspirational way, so it's like, you know, at the beginning, like, they, they lose something or something happens, and mm -hmm. then it's their journey of, like, gaining something or, like, self-acceptance. And I don't think a lot of people realize that just because that movie and their story is over doesn't mean they're, like, not going to encounter more trials and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I've noticed a right. lot recently. And I feel like the missing piece to that is, like, yes, disabled people are extremely resilient human beings but i feel like that's because there are continuous barriers throughout our lives that continuously have to be overcome and like that's where the resilience comes from and i feel like that's where in a sense the inspiring aspect comes of like it's not the everyday things of like wow this person can cook themselves or you know live alone like these things are so surprising to people but they fail to recognize that the resilience aspect of this community is how hard they fight for their civil rights and how amazing it is that um they're able to continue to overcome these ableist barriers Gianna and Grace are explaining this phenomenon of putting disabilities into this box, whether it be only representing visible disabilities and excluding invisible disabilities, or not being informed on what it's really like for a disabled person to experience life. Have you noticed any themes of like themes within media, within film that affect the social norms in your personal lives at all? I mean, I think one, that disability is a tragedy, that it is something to be mourned over or saddened by. And it's kind of like this sobbing tale of what this miserable life is like and it's always painted out to be such a negative thing 
Um, and also, oftentimes, disabled people, especially in terms of like um, even mental health or psychological disabilities, are painted out to be the villain a lot of times in films, in horror films, um, which I think is a very harmful rhetoric because it kind of paints the picture that like those with psychological disabilities are something to fear or something that is scary, um, which is very harmful. Yeah, I I completely agree. It's um I think it's it's something but it's something that goes back even way before media as well. Like we've lived in a time where disability has always kind of been um put down in mm-hmm. a sense. So people like I've seen people will acknowledge it, but they're not like willing to actually investigate it or get involved in it and be like, "Okay, what can we do to make ourselves better as a society of the way we like treat people not just physically disabled but also like you know having disabilities that one can't see those need to be acknowledged as well we're going to take a quick break and hear from the rest of our unmuted team on our segment beyond unmuted we'll be back soon hey guys welcome back to beyond unmuted This is a segment of the podcast where Annika and I, the producers alongside Sarah, talk about ways you can engage with the topic of the episode beyond the podcast. Hey everyone, my name is Annika Barr. I'm so excited to be a new member of the Mosaic team as an editor. I thought it might be fun to share some of my favorite movies and actors with accurate disability representation. Over the years, there has been an increase in accuracy, so be sure to go watch and support. One of my favorites is The Peanut Butter Falcon, which is an adventure story about Sack, who runs away from the nursing home he lives in to become a professional wrestler. In the process, he befriends a wayward fisherman. As the two men form a bond, a social worker attempts to track them. Although this is a heartfelt story, be sure to grab some tissues. This is streaming on Hulu, Apex, DirecTV, Paramount Plus, and Amazon. Another great movie is Coda. This critically acclaimed film is about Amelia Jones, the only hearing member of a deaf family. She tries to balance supporting her family's struggling fishing business while pursuing her own aspirations of being a singer. This can be watched on Apple TV. Also, an amazing actress who you should be on the lookout for is Millicent Simmons. She's a deaf actress and advocate who has been nominated for several awards for her performance in Wonderstruck and A Quiet Place 1 and 2. Another one of my faves is RJ Mitt from Breaking Bad. Just like his character on the show, he has cerebral palsy. After moving to Hollywood, he sought acting opportunities where his disability would serve to educate viewers, which led him to audition for Breaking Bad and and Switched at Birth. Be sure to support these amazing actors. Alright guys, make sure you check out some of those amazing movies that portray accurate disability representation. Let's get back to the podcast. Back to you, Sarah. The media is both influenced by reality and influences reality. According to the United Nations article on disability and the media, images and stories in the media can deeply influence public opinion and establish societal norms. 
Persons with disabilities are seldom covered in the media, and when they are featured, they are often negatively stereotyped and not appropriately represented. It is not uncommon to see persons with disabilities treated as objects of pity, charity, or medical treatment that have to overcome a tragic and disabling condition, or conversely, presented as superheroes who have accomplished great feats so as to inspire the non-disabled. There's been a historical background of the way disability has been treated. And Grace brought up a great point of like the historical side of disability history, which isn't talked about and isn't taught in classes. Um, things like institutionalization, where they would literally throw anyone who was quote unquote feeble-minded, which is the term they often used, um, and basically just threw them into a building and locked them away from society. Exactly. Um, and obviously, that kind of environment prohibits growth. It prohibits like sensory um, development. Like, no wonder they are, you know, having such a difficult time in these institutions because they're treated so terribly. Um, there was something called the Ugly Laws, which um, was... Um, put in place into all 50 states of if you had a disability or a some kind of bodily def um, what is it deformity. like yes deformity um, you weren't allowed to go out in public because other people would be so uncomfortable yeah and so that's another thing I want to bring up is the fact that like especially in Victorian times I don't know if you guys know what Victorian like They'd call them Victorian freak shows. Mm -hmm. And it was just a horrible way of taking disabled people and putting them on display yes. in order to make money. And it just, they were treated so horribly. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I think people forget that, that the whole history behind that was just horrible. And it's not talked about enough. And it's kind of shelved away. Like, you really have to Google and just research deep into this stuff to find what you're looking for. Because, like, I think society's just pushed it so far down the barrel that it's not bought up unless, like, people like us bring it up and make more people aware of it. Long time ago, disabled people used to be sterilized against their will. There was a mass sterilization of about over 60,000 disabled people where they were... Um, some kind of medical procedure was done where they could no longer reproduce because they thought that disabilities were so hereditary um, and they needed to put a stop to it right away. So 60,000 people, and many of them still exist. Um, you can find a lot of um, interviews and documentaries about it, um, and they are so... Um, I don't know. I mean, imagine, like, you have this aspiration to have a family, to have children just like anyone else, and that is completely stripped away from you. How inhumane is that? And no one talks about things like that. Yeah, and, oh my gosh, that's actually, that's a really good point. Because, like, I feel like a lot of disabled people are taught to stay silent. Mm. So, like, taught not to stand up for themselves. So mm -hmm. if something happens to them, it's like, no, like, just be quiet. You're fine. Like, you're not allowed... Like, I felt like when I was younger, especially with, like, some teachers and stuff, I wasn't allowed to sort of have my say because I wouldn't know what I was talking about. And so that's in that sense where it's like you're almost not allowed to kind of say your opinion because your opinion just doesn't matter mm -hmm. to others. Mm -hmm. So we've been talking a little bit about films, mm -hmm. but media can include, like, TikTok, Instagram, mm -hmm. the news, things like that. Do you feel like there are some areas of media that are representing disability well? 
other than films? I think there are some areas that will that like to bring awareness to disabilities. So I've seen some some media outlets that have brought very good awareness to it, but there's another side to it where it's like you'll get say someone on TikTok that like will use a person with a disability in order to get views. Sure. Because it's like, oh well look at this person. I'm just gonna like mm. use them in my videos so that I can get more followers and views and likes. And so it's like it's very um like I said, there's like very there's two very different sort of sides to it, mm-hmm. and it, it it can either go like in a very sort of like light sense or a very dark sense, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. a problem these days. Yeah, I feel like the good side of social media, I would say especially like obviously Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, is disabled creators are like finally given the opportunity to speak for themselves and like post what they want to post and don't have to recite lines written by an able-bodied person or whatever that might look like they are able to post whatever they want about their own experience and their own opinions and that's not skewed by um the community of like able-bodied people which i think is so important and creators too are now like meeting up with each other and now like disabled creators kind of have like their own groups of people and they're meeting each other and like that's just so important and so powerful and so I do feel like that's a very big pro in terms of social media Mm. um is it isn't it's not curated by anyone else except them yeah going off on what Joanna just said um it is like I think it's also a good way to kind of get authenticity out there for disabled people because they can kind of be their real selves on screen and not have any sort of backing, like you said, like a script or someone that's like telling them what to do and how to do it. It's just they can be themselves and they can show the world who they really are as human beings, Mm -hmm. not, you know, have someone else controlling them from the sidelines. Yeah. And I feel like, too these disabled creators make content about things that anyone else does you know they do makeup they do fashion they do lifestyle vlogs like i feel like social media has given the community the ability to like break that boundary of like oh wow like these people are interested in the things that like i am interested in and it's so weird like you would think like they're people too wouldn't you think they'd be interested in that everything that everyone else is interested in but it truly like you they continue to defy like the the molds that able-bodied people create of like oh wow like wheelchair users can have like really great fashion sense it's like of course they can because they're human beings just Mm -hmm. like you and so i think social media has done monumental things in terms of understanding the disability community and how they can have like what grace said like hobbies and other interests beyond just their disability being their only personality trait Gianna and grace brought up that there are a lot of disabled people on social media especially instagram who some of them are talking about their disability openly and some of them are letting their disability take the background and focusing on their interests in makeup or fashion or photography or cooking. For example, 
Aaron Phillip has 213k followers on Instagram and posts mostly about fashion, strutting new outfits and trends that they're interested in. Or Molly Burke, who has an Instagram following of 798k. Burke's Instagram bio says, speaker, digital creator, author, and advocate. I also happen to be blind. You can see from her Instagram bio that her disability is a part of her life, but it's not her whole personality, brand, or the only thing she represents or is interested in. When I asked Grace about her career aspirations concerning the media and film and writing, she had great enthusiasm about her plans. No, I have a huge vision. Um, <laughs> I So I'm a writer. I've been writing for 15 years. And my kind of aspiration has been to write um, a series of books that kind of have disabled people as, like, the main characters, but not in a way where it, like, sort of shoves it down people's throats, just in a way where it's like, oh, these characters just happen to be this way, and I'm mm -hmm. not going to go deep into it. And it's like, if I do need to go into it, it's not going to be in a way where it takes up their entire story, their entire character. Um, but I think also Hollywood just needs to be more educated about this stuff because mm. it just seems like, like we said earlier, it's very kind of boxed in and they just sort of pick and choose of what they want to add without doing any of that deep research. So I'd love to kind of write for Hollywood in that sense and sort of educate them more about how to write more accurate disabled characters and what to do and what not to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something that we keep coming back to in this conversation with Gianna and Grace is this idea of privacy about your disability and about your personal life, but also dignity. How do we um, protect and restore the dignity of disabled people? And one of the ways that Gianna and Grace are saying we can do this is by asking people what are your strengths? Who are you as a person not necessarily related to your disability? And so we're going to hear from Jonna and Grace, but also a few other voices of disabled individuals on this campus about what do they see as their strengths? What are they proud of of themselves? I think one of my biggest strengths is the lengths that I take my passions and how I like to find ways to connect them all. My name's Nicole Perry. I'm a junior business admin major with a psychology minor. Something I love doing is photography. I think for me, it's probably my creativity. I very much like the fact that I'm creative. I very much like the fact that I'm into stuff where it, it doesn't require any sort of physical exertion and so for me I can kind of go at it as long as I want so with writing and drawing and stuff um, I'm very like proud of the fact that I have an imagination that can go into the deeper things and pull out more original things not just sort of hit copy and paste. Mm -hmm. Hi my name is Anika Barr I am an education major and I think that I'm a really good listener, and I think this is a huge strength, so yeah.
If you're interested in learning more about the experience of disabled folks on this campus, consider attending a Delta Alpha Pi meeting. They are held every other Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Their next meeting is on the topic of disability in the media. <laughs> consider watching some of the documentaries in our show notes that show the history and experience of disabled folks. Hey, thanks for sticking around until the end of this episode and for supporting us. Stay tuned for our next episode on Title IX. Until then, make sure to stay safe and take care. This podcast would not be made possible without the Office of Multicultural and International Student Services at Point Loma Nazarene University. It was hosted and executively produced by Sarah Gleason. It was written and researched by Anika Barr. The promotions and graphics were created by Michaela Norwood and Gianna Piva. It was recorded by Point Radio at Point Loma Nazarene University. 